Hi there, and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and the most difficult part of running this podcast is trying to come up with a new silly fact for the intro each time. This chat is with a super talented friend of mine, Dorsa Beethendi. Dorsa and I actually met back in 2018 at Sheridan College's animation program, and she just graduated from said animation program this past spring, so I thought I'd bring her on to share how she got her first storyboard revisionist job fresh out of school. She also shares the advantage of completing a fine arts degree at OCAD University beforehand and what made her storyboard portfolio stand out to recruiters. But first I have a message from my super great friends over in Montreal, and that is that the stop motion event of the year is back in person this September. Festival Stop Motion Montreal returns to the big screen at Concordia University's J.A. de Serve Theatre from September 16th to 18th. 75 of the top short films in stop motion cinema were selected to compete this year across 10 different screening programs for the coveted Ball and Socket Trophy Awards, and there's going to be special guest conferences, exhibitions, meet the filmmakers, networking opportunities, and so much more. VIP passes are on sale now. Visit stopmotionmontreal.com for more information and to pick up your pass. And now, without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Dorsa. How are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, too. It's very nice to see your face after not seeing you on yeah. the go train <laughs> yeah oh i <laughs> going, really enjoyed that going to and from sheridan college years ago <laughs> yeah it's so nice to see you again and just it's also really exciting just seeing everything that you're working on these oh, days thank you. Yeah. yeah it's it's it um i think it's just super exciting in general when i talk to anybody from school because it, it there's been a whole world that's happened since like mm -hmm. you know we've all kind of grown up and graduated and we're out of the school stress and into real life working stress and so yeah. let's chat about that <laughs> let's go let's do it <laughs> well, well thanks for coming on the podcast you know what I'm just curious you know why did you want to come on the well I asked you but why did you want to come on the podcast what do you expect I don't know because you also have known me for a while and that I've been doing this for a while so yeah. What are your thoughts yeah. and opinions? I just this? missed you, Terry. I just wanted to talk to you again, and you're just so cool. You don't have the time. Oh, wow. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you're super uncool. Didn't miss you at all. Never thought about you once. I'm putting words That's in my fine. Already. That's fine. This? <laughs> no, um, in all honesty, like, I've just been really interested in everything that you've been doing. And like, I know some people already who have come on the podcast and they've all had nothing but great things to say about it. So when you asked me, I was like, oh my God, me? Little old me? That's so well, nice I, of I you. I really like your art. I think you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very kind. And I'm so happy to be here. Thank you again so much for having me. Oh, of course. Well, uh, yeah, you know, well, we're here to talk about animation, but I know you didn't start in animation. You actually started in fine arts, oil mm -hmm. painting and all that fun yeah, stuff at OCAD um what happened there you know was that your first degree I have a feeling that you were doing something else before OCAD no uh no that was my that was my first degree uh, I went to OCAD fresh out of high school um and wow. yeah I was in the drawing and painting program for the first year and then from the second year onward I switched into integrated media with a focus on digital painting and expanded animation um it was still kind of like a baby program back then uh wasn't super fleshed out yet yeah but um yeah I just yeah, it was a weird thing because like I knew that I wanted to do art and then I knew that OCAD was also a really well-renowned university. Uh, and then I also knew about Sheridan 
uh, and I was thinking of going into go, go to Sheridan straight after high school. But then, I don't know, A, I didn't think that I really had the skills that were good enough yet. And B, uh, you know, it, it was it was kind of a safer option back then to go to a university as opposed to a college. And that was like the mindset that I had back then. For art specific. So you're in high school and you're like, I really like drawing and painting and I don't know what a career looks like, but I know that there's this really cool university, OCAD in Toronto, mm -hmm. that teaches art. So I'm going to go there. Yeah, yeah. Just like the idea of like kind of going to school and not having to do all of like the extra courses and like, you know, science and math and yeah. the stuff that you have to do in high school. And then just you didn't go have on to do just... any electives. Yeah, well, I well, we did have electives because uh, it was like a university degree I don't know if that's like still how it works where like if you want like a university degree you have to do like a certain level of like yeah. liberal arts courses or something um but I mean I didn't I didn't mind those either just the thought of like being able to go to school and like draw or paint and like create was just like oh wow I want to do that yeah so yeah that's, that's really cool to me so you didn't have a specific plan on where you wanted to end up you know you're you're in storyboarding now but you didn't imagine you were going to be going to school to learn storyboarding to get into that you were more like I like art and I'm, I'm assuming your parents supported you to be like this is a great decision and they weren't like what are you doing with your life to go to, to art well school? They, they were worried they were yeah. worried and it was part of the decision for me to go to OCAD as opposed to Sheridan right off the bat where they were uh. like you want to do art okay at least go to a university first and I was like okay I'll do it um but I mean like I always I was always like I always adored animation. I knew that I eventually wanted to work in animation, um, mm. but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like, I at first I was like, oh, I want to like actually animate. And then I started like drawing more and I was like, maybe I want to do like more like design stuff. And that's kind of like how I got into like really honing my painting skills, my drawing skills. And then I actually didn't even know that storyboarding was a job back then until kind of like the year before I got into Sheridan where I was like, oh, what what salaries make make good money in animation? And then it was like, oh, storyboard artist. And I'm like, what what do those guys do? What's that? <laughs> and that's when I kind of like first clued in. Uh, I didn't yet want to be in storyboarding at that point. I still wanted to do VizDev, but yeah, it, it was it was a slow, gradual um, kind of like learning process for me. Yeah, I was going to ask because it, I think like I think a lot of people start out not really, you know, myself included. I thought I wanted to get into storyboarding when I went to Sheridan. That's specifically what I had in mind and didn't end up that way at all. But a lot of people, I think they start out being like, I just like art and drawing and painting and doing digital stuff. And you went and got a four year degree in it. You, at what point did you, you know, you kind of said once you looked at salaries, was that kind of a turning point for you to be like, how, now I can hone this like art that I like to do into one specific path or did you like after these four years of your business or at OCAD mm -hmm. and then going into Sheridan was there a different point where you were like now I'm gonna focus myself um so it was it was actually more of like an early on process I I kind of went through my first year at OCAD and it it wasn't like the best experience for me because after that first year is when I realized that maybe like fine arts isn't really my thing because hmm. while I love the creativity aspect of like just being able to make whatever you want to make, um, I did also realize that like I wanted to work on projects that 
kind of made me want to go down this path in the first place you know like the shows that I watched as a kid the games I played as a kid you know um the movies I watched uh, I I realized that I, I kind of wanted to be a part of a bigger team and fine arts can tend to be very like lonely or like individualistic in a way like it's just kind of like you making your thing but I I wanted to work as part of a team I wanted to like collaborate with people I wanted to meet people I wanted to learn from other people so I think after my first year and that's why I switched into integrated media instead because we were learning more software through integrated media than in drawing and painting um that's when I kind of like started to kind of like hone my software skills my computer skills I didn't know anything about computers at that point um, and that's how I got good at uh, After Effects, actually, in compositing. Um, and then from there, uh, in my fourth year, is when I decided to apply to Sheridan with the portfolio. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, like now I know that I want to work in the animation industry. I don't want to be like a fine artist. I don't want to just be like a painter doing my own thing. Yeah. Do you think you had to go through that experience to learn that? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Because, um, you know, it's not, it's not like a unique story that like, you know, the lonely art nerd, you know, like I was, I was always like major introvert, like didn't really step out of like my little bubble too much, had like three friends. Um, and so I, I thought that like, you know, I'd be okay just like being alone all the time and like doing my own thing. And then like, I stepped out of like the high school sphere into like the real world, going to downtown Toronto, going to school downtown Toronto and like meeting all these people and like talking to people. And I was like, okay, no, maybe I do like people more than I think I do. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like to kind of pursue the thing you wanted to do and then realize you didn't, it wasn't really you and you found this yeah. other new thing. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, did did your four-year degree help you get into Sheridan in fine arts, the four-year degree in fine arts? Like, did you find the portfolio, like, super simple, or was it still, like, stressful and, like, no? Super stressful yeah. stuff. Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's, like, I never let my guard down when it comes to, like, art stuff, because I'm, yeah. like, like I, I feel like, I feel like once you do that is when your skills start to diminish for myself totally. anyway. Yeah, just because it's, like, there's always something to learn when it comes to art. You, you, you're never going to be like, oh, I'm a master artist now. I know how to do everything. Yeah. And I feel like if you like, if it doesn't matter to you, then why are you doing it? Like, why are you pursuing art? Because it's, it's such yeah. a, it's not like a career where you just like, yeah, take a course and then you're hired and then you're there for life. It's like you yeah. constantly are struggling to just get noticed and to like do the thing that people that's a want. big thing and that's like even really when you're in the thing. industry you're just contract like I'm just contract to contract right now I'm working on some really cool video games but it's not like like once it's done you have to search for the next thing and it's just like forever yeah yeah it, it like there has it has to be very passion driven like it, I my, my younger brother actually is like uh going to he's going to high school next year and he's going to an art high school because he wants to follow Ooh. his big sister's footsteps yeah um but like I I told him to and like I I would tell anyone who's looking to get into animation or just like art as their career path is that you have to make sure that you really, really love it because whether you yeah. choose to go to school or not, you're going to hit a point where you're going to love it just a little bit less just because of everything that you've gone through. And that's like the sad reality where like you go through all these like stressful experiences of like, oh man, I've been working on my portfolio for like three nights straight. I've gotten two hours of sleep, you know, uh, or like, oh, this assignment that I've been working on at school has just been like, drilling my head and I just can't wrap my head around it uh and you know it's it's a stressful experience and it's it's really nerve-wracking to kind of like 
put yourself out there and then like face rejection as well because that's something that every artist faces you know it's like you put yourself out there and you get rejected and over and over again until one studio is like yeah I'll take you yeah um and yeah it, it can be it could be disheartening sometimes but if if the passion is kind of there as like the foundation of what you're building yourself and your career off of um then you're going to be fine so, okay, so going through, you just gone through like eight years of school, which is pretty intense and a very long time. <laughs> what oh, What is the what is the driving passion for you that would put you through that experience? Even when you say that, you know, certain things happen where you just like it a little bit less and stresses and all that stuff. Like, what is that underlying passion that you've discovered that you're like, you know what, I'm going to push through this and make this into my career? Yeah, it's it's funny because like, I've I've talked to people about this before too, where like explaining passion is so difficult because <laughs> yeah. unless you've experienced it, you you won't fully fully understand it. And like the best way that I can explain it is that as a kid, you know, like I I, I was insanely socially anxious as a kid. Like w- went mute for days on end sometimes. But the way that I would kind of interact with the world around me was through stories, through Mm. stories, through video games, through stories, through shows, through films, movies. And it's the way that I learned how to connect with other people was through those stories and through those characters as well. I would see the characters kind of like going through their own struggles and their own hero's journeys, if you will. And it was from there that I was like, okay, I think I get it. And I can relate to this specific experience that this character had, or like this specific experience from this story, or like, oh, there's a parallel there with my life. And so that was kind of, story. stories did that for me. Like they they helped me in a way that like, I it almost like helped me help myself almost. Yeah. And I think wanting to like be a part of that, wanting to be a part of those kinds of projects and those kinds of works that would then kind of like, help out the other really socially anxious kids that don't really know how to step out of their bubble. Um, that That's kind of like what drives me. And also it's just great to be able to just draw whatever I want, whenever I want. Yeah, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I think that's very pure and genuine. That's very, like, I, I love that you returned to like a, a place of like when you were younger. And, and I think that's, I think a lot of, well, I also have something that's similar to that. Um, so, you know, you're having a really rough day. You've stayed up for three nights straight. Your manager makes you redo boards. And uh, at, like, is this a place you come back to frequently? Uh, well, thankfully, I haven't had that issue with oh, my good. jobs yet. Yeah, my <laughs> like both studios I've worked at so far have been wonderful. Um, but I had a lot of that during school where yeah. I, you know, th- there's like that like little bit of competition where you really feel the need to kind of like give your 150% all the time and kind of like, yeah, it 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 it, it was it was tough sometimes during school and like, I won't lie, there were times where I was like, am I even cut out for this? But, you know, everyone has that, like, imposter syndrome oh, yeah. moment I or would, moments. I would just cry. I actually cried a few times after life drawing because I'm just like, oh, I can't. No. This it's is always life drawing, isn't it? It's always <laughs> life drawing. It's so, it's so rigorous. You're, like, sitting for three hours drawing constantly. And then you look at uh, other, I won't mention names, but some people just are masters at it. And you're like, 
some people just How? get it. How? Yeah, no, I, 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 I totally understand what you're talking about. Cause like, I love gesture drawing. I love figure drawing, but like during life drawing, I'd be like, what am I doing? What is this? Yeah. Even? And it's, it's like, you mentioned the competitiveness, which, you know, as, as you were talking, I was thinking about that too. I felt so internally competitive with like everybody for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't yeah. know why it's just cause I guess this, you feel like the stakes are so high and everybody's so talented and you just want to like, you just want to like impress others and keep up and make sure that you're being unique yeah. and like all these things. And it's, I don't even know where it comes it, from. It is, like, it is also like a little bit of like the school culture, you know, like when yeah. you're around so many, like Sh- Sheridan is like a really tough place to go because like you're, you're a big fish in a very small pond. Uh, I think it was Heather that said that actually. Um, what do you mean? A big fish in a small pond? Like, people hype up the Sheridan animation program so much as like, yeah. oh, like yeah, it's yeah. so hard to get into. Like you're I mean, taking away <laughs> Yeah, you're taking away like the opportunity from nine other people. And it's like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> Damn, sorry. Uh and then so now like you're like, okay, I'm surrounded by all of these really, yeah. really amazing artists. How do I stand out? You know? But it's like I th- I think that's also like a mentality that comes from like the old industry. And I feel like the industry has changed so much at this point that like um, I, I was chatting with uh, an old instructor of mine, um, Jason Lin, and he mentioned that like there's more jobs out there in animation than there are people to do them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think people, especially people that are just stepping into school or just stepping into the industry, we, I say we because I was also guilty of this, we underestimate how important networking is and connection and connecting with your peers and your fellow classmates over making sure that you're better than them, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can even think of a couple of people that come to mind where like the pressure really got to them and, and uh, you know, they left the program because... Yeah, yeah, that's always sad. Yeah, yeah. it's super sad. And, and like looking back, it's so funny how hindsight kind of tells you like, why were you stressing like grades literally didn't matter it's just like do your best and like learn how to rig a character in the storyboarding basics and like who cares if you came up with the because I even like character design class which is like the most chill class ever mm-hmm. everybody's like I'm gonna have this super back myself included I'm gonna put a super backstory into my characters they're gonna be like totally OCs on their own they're gonna be amazing and it's like I remember somebody drew I don't know who it was but like after like slaving away on like doing so many different character drafts and then I got on the board in the hallway which was like the highlight for like me personally the and then somebody else just yeah. drew like a a round ball cat with a face I will I never forget that <laughs> like, that was the most I could have done this thing. and got perfect marks that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen because that, that was poetic justice Terry you understand that it's like <laughs> it was almost a metaphor for me when I saw that on the wall uh in first year where I was like this this represents like the the silliness of wanting to just like go 200% and burn yourself out right off the bat rather than just like go with the simpler option that works yeah. you know yeah. and it, that's not to say like you shouldn't push yourself to like improve absolutely do that but like it's it, it doesn't always have to be complicated no. you know yeah yeah. yeah. If you're going to Sheridan right now and you're listening to this, please don't put 110% of yourself into don't do every it. single assignment. Choose don't your assignments it. you want to do that with yeah. and line that up with what you want to do. So, okay, on that on that note, you uh, were interested in storyboarding. Does that mean you went really hard 
in storyboarding classes and like with storyboarding assignments or did you kind of you know do the the degree to you know evenly for all fields and then you ended up in storyboarding type of thing um I I didn't do evenly throughout I don't think I I, I don't think that's like, um, I don't think most people did that, to be honest, unless you wanted to be like a jack of all trades kind of thing. But uh, I did kind of like try to hone my skills more in areas that I wanted to focus on. Yeah. Um, like, and there, there's bits and pieces to take away from every part of the pipeline when it comes to storyboarding is the thing because, you know, and I've learned that more, uh, like starting to work in the industry too, because, you know, with with animation class, you know, you're able to learn how things move and that's significant for storyboarding. And layout is so important for storyboarding because you understand staging and composition and perspective uh, or even like even character design. There's there's this thing called post-board designs now in storyboarding where kind of like if they if there's like a thing in the script where it doesn't have like a concrete design yet, the board artist is meant to kind of like rough out an approximation of what that design would be in the boards. And then the designers would then take that board and actually make a design out of it. So yeah, it's like with, with storyboarding, it's like you kind of have to like have absorbed a little bit from each facet aside yeah. from painting, I guess, which, which is hilarious because I have a lot of painting experience, yeah. but, but th that's, that is like the, the interesting thing about boarding, which kind of like drew me into it as well, because it was the visualization process of what everything is going to be in the end. But then it's it's also really fun to kind of like see the end results of like what you had worked on at the very beginning of the pipeline process and then like what it went through and like what people made at the end. And it's so cool. It's just yeah. so cool. Do you watch all the episodes that you've storyboarded in full and be like how it changed and like what they took and what they did with your stuff? The ones that the ones uh, the animatics that have been completed absolutely yeah yeah it's Amazing. it's just so much fun so it's okay so fun. tell me how you know I mentioned you were in school for eight years which is a long time yeah it is. how does it feel now that you're working you've ended up somewhere <laughs> it's so weird it's yeah. because like how long have you been working for now um it's been almost a month now yeah yeah yeah, ne next week will be a month. Congratulations. Yeah. That's Thank amazing. You. <laughs> Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, it's it's a really weird uh, feeling just because like I've I've technically been in school since I started school. You know, I, I never took like a year off or anything. Like yeah. I've just been wow. like kindergarten, like just zooming through. Okay, so 20 years in school. How does it feel? Literally <laughs> 20. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, It, it feels really weird. I, I sometimes have to catch myself because like I'd be making plans with friends and then I'd be like, okay, so like maybe we could like do this like the week before September starts. And then I'm like, wait, why do I have to like be worried about when September starts? I don't have to do that anymore. You're still going to have, I, after I finished my first degree at, in, in, at Laurier, I still had nightmares of exams and like waking up <laughs> years later being like, I forgot my calculator for the calculus. It'll, it'll last. It'll keep, yeah, it'll keep yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating like once September rolls around and like, I, I'm kind of like, when does school start? You just, you just start feeling stress for no reason. You're shaking yeah. while you're working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was seeing like the uh, 2023 uh, grads kind of posting about like what what mentors they have for their thesis films. And I was like, what mentor do I have? I'm like, wait, I, I'm done. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So it feels weird. Um, yeah. Does it, is this now that you're working professionally, was it what you expected when you were learning about storyboarding and whatnot? Like, um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Cause, uh, well, the revisionist position, yeah, um, yeah. I wasn't, I had an idea of what a board revisionist did, but I, I didn't have like the full scope of it until I kind of like stepped in and, and if for the most part, it's along the lines of what I assumed it would be. So lay it um, out for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, the way that they do it on my production, at least at Atomic, um, we have two uh, board directors, wonderful people, by the way, and uh, they basically separate each episode into uh, sequences. And each sequence has like its own set of revisions, you could say, that uh, is kind of discussed with uh, each other and with the director and with the clients as well. Um, and then based off of that, uh, I would then receive uh, a any given sequence and I would either have to fix the posing, maybe maybe they wanted like a little bit more, little bit more oomph in a scene, or maybe there was like an expression change that they wanted where they're looking angry, but they prefer them to look a little bit more morose, we'll say. Oh. Um, yeah, or or there's like a design <clears throat> change uh, that had happened that has to be adjusted. I would go in and uh, fix up those designs. And that's kind of like more of like the um, the more chill things that I have to do. Sometimes uh, there's bits where uh, there's like a crowd of people, for example, and the board artist didn't have enough time to kind of like go in and like draw every single background character and like have them do actions. So I would then go in and uh, they'd give me a note of like, have have like, I don't know, two people making out in the back with another guy like crying or something, uh, or have have this person like dancing really, really stupidly like a really bad dance but like she thinks that she's good at it so that's when I can get really creative and like that's when like the fun comes in for me yeah. where I'm kind of able to like go in and like put in my own little like storytelling in the background of like what's going on with the with like the main characters in the foreground yeah it's like it's like my own little like tidbit into I love episode. that though and it probably makes the episodes like much more interesting to watch even like a second time when there's like more heart in everything of it so I love that you like yeah are putting that excitement that you have into your revisions. Um, <clears throat> so, okay, so it sounds like uh, the process is, the script is turned into boards by the board artists, then the boards go through this review with the director and the client, whatever, and then they're passed on to the revisionist with those notes. So mm -hmm. you have to, are like you in the meetings with the these, like the director and the clients, or you're just given like notes written no, down? No, I'm just given notes, yeah, Isn't there's like a like, whole spreadsheet. Oh gosh, isn't that yeah. like super, like, are you constantly going back to the director and being like, what did you mean by this? Or or is it like? um, Not too frequently, just because like, I'm, again, I'm very lucky that I have great board directors and they're very thorough with their notes. Yeah. There are some times when maybe like I misinterpret a note that they put down and then they just like clarify it when I send them like the progress MOV. Um, and then I'm like, oh, okay, so that's what you meant. Or sometimes if I don't fully understand something or... Um, like for example, today, uh, there was a note for me to kind of like add in a few panels of acting for a character and I wasn't, it, the, the kind of like, uh, time frame I didn't feel like was enough. So then I would, I went to my board director and I was like, is it okay if I adjust the timing on the sequence? Hmm. And then she gave me like the okay for that. So I, yeah, there yes. is a little bit of back and forth, but 
like, you know, it's, it's all a part of like working as a team and communicating, which is very, very important. Totally. Totally. Do you have, you know, like just, I know you're super fresh into this. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you have an overall like goal that you want to achieve in boarding? Do you want to become a board artist eventually? I mean, I mean, like, I feel like in boarding, there's a very specific path, like, you know, you're revisionist, then board, then board supervisor, then like getting into almost like show running and stuff. Is that kind of like, yeah, the, is that the path you're going for? Yeah, that's um. so like I it's funny because I, I call myself a little bit of a control freak just because I like running things. I just like being in charge. I like, okay, like so we're skipping the show runner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I I mean, there, there that is a part of it. But another part of it is that like I, I do kind of like want to put some of my own stories out there too um yeah, yeah. i i do want to eventually become either a director or a showrunner either either or would be amazing um that, that's kind of like my career bucket list like number one career bucket list item to become like a director or showrunner one day um yeah yeah cool um i'm wondering you know now that you're actually working as a revisionist what are some of the expectations well i guess you kind of shared but like i'm just wondering how did you get them to hire you essentially what did you show them for them to be like we feel super confident that dorsa can take on this job no problem you know like so what are, what are the things that they were looking for and if you could go back and like tweak your portfolio or refine your path a little bit more what would you do yeah so i i would actually still want to go in and tweak my portfolio a little bit right now because it, it's still not like it's good but it, i don't I'm not fully satisfied with it yet. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I did uh, that I included in my portfolio um, was uh, process work for boards, which oh. I actually haven't seen a lot. Uh, and I actually give that credit to um, my fourth year thesis mentor, Jim Caswell, because he was the one who suggested I do that. Um, so I put in my thesis boards and obviously I had like my final animatica plus like all of the boards. And then beneath that, I also put down the initial boards that I had done because my thesis had changed a lot as I was working on it. Um, and I really wanted to like hunker down and focus on the boarding process for obvious reasons. Um, but by putting that down and then like I added like a little blurb at the top kind of explaining uh, why I had made the changes that I had made. And I explained that the reason why was because I wanted to streamline my thesis film to make it doable in the time frame that I had and to kind of have the story be a lot more like um the word is I'm lost on the word a uh, comprehensive I guess um and by doing that when I would show my boards uh at Taffy and I would kind of like talk to them about like my process um that kind of gave the recruiters uh, a bit of like an insight into the fact that I understand how the pipeline works. I understand that certain uh, shortcuts have to be made for production budgets yeah. um, and uh, certain shortcuts have to be made for animation as well, as well as like backgrounds, for example, like I, I would reuse a lot of backgrounds in my boards and I explained to them like, this is why. And mind you, that's very useful if you're trying to get into like TV animation, because, you know, budgets are tight with TV. So if, if they see that, like, not only are you a good board artist and good at like gesture drawing, but you actually understand the pipeline that I think that's, that's something that kind of like, what was that? Did you hear that? No. What was that? A big flash? I think that was lightning. <laughs> what? Yeah, that was lightning. <laughs> like, we're in the same city. I don't. I don't. 
It's not even raining. I mean, I'm in North York, to be okay, fair. Where, where... <laughs> I'm, I'm at like Downsview. All right, so I can expect a lightning storm my way. No, I didn't hear anything. I saw a big flash. It was but, really uh, loud. I'm surprised that you didn't hear it. Um, <laughs> sorry, down. that just totally threw me off. Yeah, if if they see that you understand both like the drawing aspect and like the pipeline process, yeah. I think that helped my um, chances. However, one very interesting thing that happened with um, uh, Atomic that I'm, I'm working with right now, um, and it, it's it's kind of like it was a learning thing for me too uh, that I I would want to pass on to other people is that I actually interviewed with them back in June. It was like yeah. early June when I interviewed with them, and it was a great interview. It went really well, but they ended up uh, going with someone with more experience than I did, which understandable. Um, you know, like and understandable. Then, I'm understandable. still amazing. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> and then two months later. Um, I got a message from the line producer and she was like, hey, are you still available for work? Because we actually have a new position opened up and uh, the directors really loved your attitude during the interview. So like, we'd love to have you on. And that's actually why I started working with them. And I also ended up connecting with them on LinkedIn after my initial interview. Yeah. So yeah, it's... It, the industry works in weird ways. And that's why I say that like networking is way more important than any kind of like, well, not your skill, but like, you know, being the best. Totally, totally. What you're doing. Yeah. Like making sure that you have a good attitude when you go into an interview that you're not like, you know, you're not putting yourself down too much, but you're also not like being a little bit too stuck up, I guess. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Like, you know, like I consider you a friendly great person but like oh, what was your kind. specific so I'm sure that came across in your interview but like what was your specific attitude in the interview that they found great were you like super excited humble <laughs> like I don't know like you know like well that you stood out a bit more yeah I guess um from what I remember uh, about the interview um <clears throat> it was obviously you want to show like excitement for working with these people. Um, you want to show enthusiasm for the production itself. Um, with with my interview, they kind of like broke down what the show was going to be about. Um, they said that it was like an adult comedy, which like, it's so rare to be able to work on adult comedy in Canada, you know? Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, yes, please, I want in. Um, so I was, I was very enthusiastic, but I think the main thing that... Um, uh, we talked about that I feel made me stand out a little bit was uh, they actually asked me about my time as a production manager for my third year group film. Hmm. And yeah, because I had put that down on my resume that I was the PM for my third year group film. And I think like, I think they've already dealt with a lot of like Sheridan grads. So they kind of know everything about like the third year group film process. And they were, they were asking me like, what was that like? And I was I was honestly just very real with them about like the struggles that like myself and my group faced and the fact that there was a lot of like conflict management but that it taught me that communication is key and yeah. you know asking questions when there are questions is key and understanding that like it's not only the part of like the leaders to be open to understanding and accepting that people might ask questions that are very that whose answers are very obvious to the leaders themselves but not obvious to other people so you have to kind of like be able to foster that kind of like open environment where people feel safe coming to you and asking you these questions um 
and I think like as directors, obviously they're leaders of their own. So they, they really connected with that as well. Um, and yeah, it, it was, I just kept it real with them as that's like the easiest way that I can explain it. Um, and I think that's, that's what made me stand out a little bit. That, that makes interview. a lot of sense. I'm like, do you want to project manage my next thing? That sounds great. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's, I think that's great. You know, I, from my past career, I've done a lot of interviews and it's, it's almost too easy to tell when somebody is like overexcited and giving flowers and rainbows for every answer, mm -hmm. because that's kind of the go-to is like, I'm perfect. Everything's like, it's unintentional to come across that way, but you don't want to say any conflict in an interview. But if, if you're just genuine and real and be like, Hey, you know, some shit happened and we had to conflict management. It, yeah. I think that's great. And Obviously, you made an impression that two months later that, that they you stuck out to the director and they emailed you. I think that's great because you're at Taffy where they're just constantly interviewing people the entire day and they're yeah. going to the schools, et cetera. I'm, out, I'm also curious, you know, how um, in demand are storyboard people in Toronto? Because for, as far as I understand, it's like one of the harder to get jobs because there's not as many of them versus like if you want to get into like 2D rigging you know, every TV show needs that. Is it is it super competitive and not that many positions? Or is that just a falsity that I've created in my mind? Um, it's definitely competitive. Uh, yeah. There are there are a ton of positions out there. Um, mm. Obviously, not as much as 2D riggers, because like just animation jobs in general are just like, so there's so much of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it, it, it is very competitive to get into boards. Um, I, I apply to heaven knows how many jobs and yeah, i was gonna I, ask how many jobs and interviews did you end up having so many <laughs> like a hundred like, I've, I've lost count at this point it's that is something that you also have to like keep in mind like for the industry in general when you're like first stepping into it because people don't yet know who you are you literally just have to send as many resumes as you can as yeah. many like job apps even, even if it's not like your most ideal job just send your resume in anyway. Uh, even if you don't think that your portfolio is like up to par, send it in anyway. What's the worst that can happen? They say no. But, but like also, isn't that kind of like uh, clouding the, I don't know the right metaphor, clouding the pool. I'm going to make that one up. You know, if you're just putting your resume in for something you don't really want and you like, say you've created a storyboarding resume, mm -hmm. but it's like a 2D rigger position. You're just throwing it in. Doesn't that, couldn't you also perceive it as like, you know, they see this person's applying for everything. Like, well, it's funny because I actually talked to some recruiters about it during Taffy and they, they gave me that same advice where they were like, just send your resume in really? at all points. Yeah. And I think the main reason why is because you you want them to know your name. You want yeah. them to know your name. And they're not like, oh, this Dorsa person again. Exactly. Like, and they're like, like oh, this Dorsa even... person again. <laughs> oh, it's Dorsa. Yeah. <laughs> they'll even go to your website and they'll oh, see sure. your work. And yeah. maybe maybe if they see your name pop up again on like another application and they go back to your website and they see your work, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember this person. Wait, yeah, this style actually does suit the show that I'm trying to make. Yeah. Maybe I can work with this. So like it's... Uh, I would say leave that for the recruiters to worry about. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I, I, yeah. You know what? I've never had a recruiter on this podcast and I probably should just to get we their perspective. Because, yeah, totally you know, I'm that. thinking like, are you tailoring your resume and cover letter or whatever for every company? Like they're they're offering like, you know, uh, like a storyboard revisionist position or a 2D rigger just because you view these. Are you saying like, you know, I'd love to become a 2D rigger. Here's my 2D rigging work from Sheridan. And then the storyboard, you're like, here's my storyboard work. Are you just you know, you have your storyboard portfolio set up to be a storyboard portfolio and then just applying for both. 
Well, uh, the way that I have my my site set up is kind of like there's like tabs for each bit. When I send in my resume for story positions, it is a little bit different than the resumes that I send in for other positions, just yeah. because I also add a passcode to my boarding portfolio at the very top, which people are kind of like having like this discussion that like passcodes and password protected boarding portfolios aren't great because like it's just an added layer of something that the recruiter has to do, which, you know, maybe I'll go in and change that soon. Um, but uh it's it's the cover letter yeah. that is mainly the one that uh kind of differs from position to position i love storyboarding it's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah so how long you know you graduated in may is that right may april so technically i guess it's now august so and you've been working since july mm -hmm. so two months of applying everywhere that's not bad yeah yeah i mean it, i was applying before that too like how did it so like sheridan has their big industry day which is like where you're supposed to get yeah where they tell you you're supposed to get hired or whatever did it and i'm assuming you didn't get hired during industry day how did that feel did it feel like you know a missed opportunity or like you just got to keep grinding because i'm sure you saw classmates getting picked up from that it's it's funny because in the industry day that we had it, it wasn't what i thought it would be um, and I feel like a lot of people felt that way too, where yeah. it was kind of like, it was another networking opportunity. However, a lot of studios didn't actually put in the time to have one-on-ones with people, which yeah. like, it's understandable. There's like a billion of us, but um, yeah, I think, I think just like with the schools need to be a little bit more like transparent about that because I think a lot of people had kind of like held off on sending out applications because they were like hoping to get something out of industry day. Yeah. And, and then they were like very much disappointed afterwards. Right, I would like say if Atomic just... is coming to industry day. Why would you apply beforehand? Exactly. Then... Yeah. Cause, cause you're like, Oh, I'm going to have like all the time in the world to like show them my film and talk about myself. Yeah. But yeah, that that's that's not what happened. Unfortunately, there were some studios that did do like one on ones, but um, there were a lot that didn't. Um, so, so, so during. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, say, like, I would just start sending applications as soon as possible. So like, you're just looking up every industry. You're just going like animation studio Toronto and just going to their website and looking for open positions and sending them. Or you just like, is that how it worked? I mean, you also went to Taffy, which if you're listening to this, no, no, it is. It's Toronto Arts an animation festival international it's a conference yes. here yes yeah it's it very important especially the job fair if you're looking to break into the industry taffy is a great great place to go to and it's free yeah from what i remember yeah um <clears throat> but uh sorry remind me of your question well, how are you just were you just going to every website and applying like type of thing I mainly use LinkedIn. LinkedIn ah. is really good with that. Yeah, because um, most studios kind of like keep keep their posts up to date um, with with the animation industry, especially they have a very, very big LinkedIn presence. Yeah. Um, and connecting with recruiters is a very, very important thing. So like just hit connect with XYZ recruiter and then do you shoot them a message or anything? Just be I anything? do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So especially especially if you meet them at Taffy and like maybe you guys like discussed something in particular when you're kind of connecting with them on LinkedIn you can kind of add in that message oh hey so and so we talked about this and that remember yeah. me like we we connected at, at Taffy and like I talked about this I'd love to like keep in touch and then that can then kind of like open the door for like further communication 
Sounds pretty standard, like the whole process. You get the skills, you know what you want, you apply to everything, you get a, your first job. Thankfully, it's in something that you are particularly interested yeah, in. And love. Yeah, I'm pretty grateful for that. And then, uh, you know, this is the start of a beautiful blossoming career in drawing every day, which I think is fantastic. You also mentioned, you know, that there were stories that you wanted to tell specifically. Do you want to do you want to uh, give some insight into that? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like there's like there's like a thousand and one uh kinds of uh stories that i want to tell um yeah. i'm a dm for dnd by the way in <laughs> case it wasn't obvious and so yeah just storytelling has just been like what i've wanted to do forever like and that yeah. and that's something that stayed consistent throughout my life uh regardless of like me going from viz dev to boarding or whatever is there a specific story that you want to tell or are you just you're just excited to be part of the process of telling a story like if you know if i were to be like you know doris i love your work here's a here's 20 200 million dollars to make a uh feature it doesn't even have to be a feature to tell the story that you want to tell like is there a specific thing that you want to tell or is it just like i'm happy to you know uh, script for this book came out I'm super happy to tell that story absolutely yeah there there are absolutely there... yes to 200 million dollars or of course yeah at that point <laughs> yeah, I just sure like, take 200 million, I just retired of Fiji at that point you know <laughs> like <laughs> no um there there is a story that I do want to tell um obviously there's like there's you don't have to that... you, I'm not you don't have to oh yeah yeah no 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 there's a lot to like finesse about it um yeah. and obviously like over the past few years I've also learned a lot more about storytelling um that I didn't know when I was first kind of like coining what I was uh, thinking about but um I think I've I've also been like exposed to a lot of like different kinds of stories lately that maybe I kind of want to like explore a little bit more before I settle on one that I would want to like eventually pursue as kind of like a big thing you know yeah yeah I mean that sounds cool I'm just wondering because like you mentioned that storytelling was something you really connected with, with as a kid and it like helped you you know socialize and and uh, deal with anxiety and things so I was just wondering if there was a specific type of story that you wanted to to tell but uh I, yeah. I don't know I think it's I think it's great that you have something in mind but you want to get more life experiences first because you know I've talked with a lot of writers and storyboard people on this show this show this podcast <laughs> and that's a big thing that comes up is just like live life go travel talk to people because you end up yeah you know hearing stories refining stories and creating new stories just from being a human on this earth which I think is super yeah, fantastic yeah absolutely and I think like again I mentioned earlier that like the the industry has like evolved so much over the past few years that like I I would also want to kind of introduce stories like from my own culture as well um like I come from Iran and I don't really see a lot of like Persian media like in the west at all um right. and like yeah I would have loved to like maybe grow up with like seeing like a Persian girl in like one of my favorite shows or movies or something um but yeah I I, I would love to kind of like diversify the industry a little bit more in that regard as well uh yeah. kind of like bring a little bit of myself in as well as my people in as well when you were growing up and watching tv were there a lot of uh persian things to watch growing up or was it all mm -hmm. just american no animation yeah like 
I'm I'm very lucky that like my parents were like those immigrant parents that were like you will know your culture <laughs> and you know as a kid you're kind of like ah leave me alone but like as an adult now I can fully appreciate that like they really drilled uh that stuff in and any of the Persian stuff that I would see it would just be like old DVDs that my parents had yeah. that they would bring from Iran over here and like burn on like a VCR tape or <laughs> Yeah. And it was just, yeah, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't very accessible for me. Yeah. And so I think, I think I'd want to change that a little bit. I love that. And I mean, like now's the perfect time when, you know, I, th I think that studios are specifically looking for new and more international stories to tell. I think that's, yeah. uh, I think it's a great time. You know, I'm thinking about like, <laughs> I'm still thinking about how you spent eight years in school, in, <laughs> in art school and animation school to end up here, which I think is incredible. Were there any, um, you know, big misconceptions you had now that you're finally working, even though it's only been a month? Big misconceptions. I think I had more misconceptions going into Sheridan hmm. than I did graduating and coming into the industry. Um just because, like, obviously, I had a great time at Sheridan. I met so many wonderful people, including you. Oh, hi. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, like, <clears throat> Sheridan was a great environment for me um, to kind of grow not only as an artist, as but as a person as well. Um, but I think, uh, you know, you kind of come into Sheridan with, like, these, like, bright eyes and, like, oh, everything is going to be great from here on out. Um, but you know, it's still work, you know, you're still, you're still working hard. You're still, again, competing to a certain extent against, uh, people that you really like in all honesty. Um, and I think, I think it was like the imposter syndrome stuff and like the self-doubt moments that was a misconception for me because I, I came into Sheridan as like a more mature student yeah. and, so I would I wasn't like fresh out of high school. I was like I was like a an adult. I was twenty two, um, and I guess like coming into Sheridan, I was like yeah I know that like this is it. This is done. I'm done struggling. It's it like I'm good now forever, um, which is a very early twenties thing to think. And when I was kind of like hit with those moments of like difficulty and self doubt and imposter syndrome. I think those were like really difficult moments for me to deal with that I luckily eventually learned how to cope with a lot better. Yeah. I wanted to ask yeah. you, how do you cope with that? Cause you know, I have a very, I had the opposite. I went to Sheridan when I was 30 and, and felt like, why am I here? I'm not good enough. And then slowly over time, just being around and doing and yeah. getting positive feedback for me, just helped me be like, you know what, I'm choosing this path because this is what I want. And things are going okay so let's just ignore the self-doubt for now yeah I think I think one thing to keep in mind <clears throat> and um this goes back to like the whole interview process as well um is that when you're, when you're kind of like honing your skills in school people want you to succeed like you're going into an interview the people interviewing you want you to succeed. Hmm. They want you to kind of like be the person that they're looking for. So I think getting out of that like victim mindset really helped me out 
where I wasn't like, everyone's out to get me all the time. It's like, no, like people are here to make sure that you succeed. They want you to succeed. It's going to make their lives easier. It's going to make your life easier. And it's going to make the industry better as well. Um, and I know that um, I actually talked about that with uh, one of our profs at Sheridan DQ, where he mentioned how different the industry was back when he was in it, where like the competition was really toxic. But nowadays yeah. it's like, the more you help the people around you grow and flourish, the more you yourself will succeed as an artist and as an individual in the industry as well. So I think, I think that that's, that's something that really helped me kind of like relax on the imposter syndrome, relax on like the self-doubt is that a people want you to succeed and B people want you to help them succeed as well. Yeah, I think I think that's really great. I've never really thought of it like that, but you're totally right. You know, the, the, even the recruiter, they want they want you to be the person that they hire. They're not out to get you. And yeah. and like, you know, going into an interview for the first time is super intimidating. You're sweating, like you're wearing your you're confused on if what you're wearing is even okay and acceptable for these people <laughs> to look at. Like, I feel yeah. like in business, it was a little bit easier. You just show you have to wear a suit every time. So it's like, you don't have to worry about uniform. what you're wearing. Because like in animation, you're like, do I wear something nicer? And then you end up <laughs> overdressed versus your your interviewers. Um, but yeah, if you just like, I really like that. Consider that these people are looking to help you out and to succeed for both parties. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. And it, it has been like that. Like every, you know, the reason this podcast is successful is because so, like yourself, so many people say yes to sharing their experiences because they want others, they want to help out others and they yeah. want others to succeed. I think that's, I think that's really good. I'm going to think about that next time when I'm feeling intimidated, like, you know, cause like I, I do my show pitches and I'm talking to like studio executives mm -hmm. and it's like super intimidating and you're like, they don't want this pitch and blah, blah, blah. But really they like, I should, I should change my thinking to be like, they're looking for this pitch. And if it's not yeah. right for them, they're still going to be super helpful I guess yeah it's like it's like they're they're sitting there listening to you for a reason right yeah, yeah yeah and I'm like I'm wasting their 15 minutes that we've booked for this out of their day <laughs> interesting interesting no yeah. it's really good and I think that's a really positive mentality to have especially because like you know it's I feel like it's this industry is very easy to burn out in and so mm -hmm. if you you know it's just another strategy to to keep being amazing yeah yeah people people really need to take care of themselves um when they first come in here especially like new students oh my god I was um there were a few first years that were helping me on my thesis film and I was talking to them and they were like yeah I think I'm gonna restart this like layout project that I've been working on because I just think it could be better and I was like don't don't do that don't no. do that yeah. Oh, so stop helping me out. You have enough stuff to do already. Yeah. I was like, don't like, you don't need to like restart an assignment. If it's working, it's working. And just hand it in and move on. Like yeah. if you, if you already think it's going to be better then save that for the next assignment, like don't restart yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Take it as a learning opportunity. Like the, I mean, it's fresh coming from me. Cause I'm also a very terrible perfectionist but yeah. um perfectionism is it's going to be your downfall says the says the person who works on the same oil painting for like how many years <laughs> all right that's like a process it's like it's therapeutic for me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i'm just i'm just teasing you amazing um yeah well you know we've talked about you know kind of where you started and where you got the inspiration to choose an art career and then uh, going to OCAD and Sheridan and ending up in storyboarding, which I think is amazing. It's it's kind of, it's like, how does it feel to sum up your whole life in, what has it been, like half an hour or whatever? 
well, you know, it's been ad-libbed, obviously, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's humbling, I guess. It's like, wow, I did a lot, even though like just regularly I'm like, I've just started, but it's like, oh, I've done a lot. I've gone through a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you ha you certainly have. And I mean, like, you know, getting your first job in the industry, I think is is a big achievement because think about all the effort and time and money and people and resources that you put into just getting this You've, you've been doing this for one month. I think it's amazing. Uh, and it's like, you know, I don't know, there's something special about this industry and and that I can't really describe. And just hearing you talk about your experience just makes me feel, I don't know, just really happy for you. Oh, <laughs> thank myself. you so much. <laughs> Somehow. Oh, that's so kind. Yeah, yeah, no, I, again, I mentioned at the very beginning, but it's been so fun and lovely and exciting to see everything that you've been working on and like oh my goodness don't talk about me I am I'm so proud of you Terry like genuinely like oh, I see you I see you thriving and I'm like yeah there it goes well super thank you I think I think <laughs> the main difference with my path is uh the the importance of networking I just started as soon as I went to Sheridan like I started this podcast the same month that I went to Sheridan and yeah. uh it's it's like paid off for me yeah i would assume over. so it's it's such a fun and like creative way to like network right You're, you've <laughs> yeah. connected with so many amazing industry professionals yeah, this way yeah, yeah yeah plus it's just i'm trying to actually bring on more people internationally like i mentioned um i chatted with somebody from just off the before we started this i chatted with somebody from morocco i'm i'm publishing uh i i actually maybe my most interesting one yet i had a chat with a stop motion animator in turkey last week and he doesn't even speak english so we had to have a translator on the call as well to translate oh, from english wow. to turkey it was super interesting so i'm trying to i'm trying to like span more outside of just um you know the canadian and north american and uk as well industry which i think are super important but it's, it's there's so many budding you know uh animation industries around the world and i think it's a really interesting time where technology and the pandemic even though it was absolutely horrible opened up people's minds to working with more people internationally, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That That is like, like if we're if we're trying to look for a silver lining, just like remote work opening up more in uh, the industry and just like having more opportunities to work well, with. You're working remotely. I am, yes, yeah. Even though yeah. you could go into the office, I guess. Well, it's in Ottawa. <laughs> but like, you're <laughs> still in the same, commute. but I mean like, you know, traditionally, well, yeah, not going, what I, I guess what I was meaning was yeah. like, traditionally you just moved to Ottawa, which isn't, you know, it's what, five hours away or something from here. Yeah, yeah. So, but you haven't done that and there's no expectation to do that either. No. Nope. Even though just like two years ago, this was never an option, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And like, it's, it's good because I could stay close to my parents, you know, like, yeah. uh, and I could kind of like be around family, be around friends. Um, but I guess like, like I've worked for two studios now and I still haven't had like the studio experience, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's yeah. the one thing, like I miss that I'm working remotely as well. And I miss, I miss going in and seeing people in real life because yeah. you just <clears throat> like, I have coworkers that are in the States and other countries that I've you know, we see each other for like a Zoom chat and that's mm -hmm. it. But like when you're working with people in real life, it's just a totally different connection. And and uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of miss yeah. that. I, th I think I think it's important to attend like virtual work events then that way, because I actually this was something that I talked to my two uh, board directors about two days ago, actually, um, where they were they were kind of like doing one on ones with all of us just to like check in. And uh, they were asking for any suggestions or something that they wanted or that we wanted to kind of like see. And 
they had mentioned at one point that the reason why they were doing the check-ins was because there was like a little bit of a disconnect and I was like why don't we just have like you know either like a little draw together once yeah. a month like a little lunch virtual lunch thing where we all just kind of like sit in a call and just have lunch yeah. or talk or no discuss pressure, things. Yeah, talk. just like yeah. a very casual thing. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's tough with like certain work schedules, obviously, but, you know, they they were they were really into the idea. So I'm hoping that that happens with us soon. Um, mm. And I think, yeah, it's, it's important to try and attend virtual work events and talk to your colleagues as much as you can, because as, as many benefits as remote work has, there are also the cons that come with it as well. Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, the uh, the Ottawa International Animation Festival is coming up, so you could mm -hmm. go to that and then check out your new company as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Random other question that I thought of. Yeah. Because everything's remote work, like, you know, freelance has opened up a lot. Is that something you've considered as well? Because working for yeah. a studio full time is like one thing and then working like as a freelance pop around person is another thing. It's my yeah, last absolutely. Question. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah, I've I've wanted to kind of like start um, start doing freelancing jobs too. Maybe maybe in like a month or two, I'll start looking around for that. Um, uh, I I'm have like I'm not really sure how freelancing works for board revisions. Hmm. I'm not really sure if like that's like a thing. I'll have it to look be more for into like it. smaller. You know, like a commercial project needs like a thirty second spot, somebody to like animate, yeah, or yeah. storyboard or something like that. I feel like I feel like for myself, I for like freelancing right now, um, I would maybe want to do more illustration stuff and design stuff, cool. uh, just because like you know I'm doing I'm doing boarding for my job like nine to five, and then yeah. I think I want to like keep my keep my general drawing skills and painting skills uh, up to par, and I think like you know making a few bucks on the side wouldn't hurt. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> well, Dorsa, we've chatted all about your life. I'm wondering, is there anything else that you wanted to share that you think would be interesting for those listening to hear or something we didn't hit on specifically? Or um, I know, I guess we didn't really talk about your transition from biz dev to storyboarding in depth. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to share in that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think more than anything else, um, if there's something else that I would want to share uh, is just like for the people who are looking to break into the industry first and emphasizing uh, how important it is to take care of yourself. Um, uh -huh. It's like both physically and mentally, uh, especially if you're looking to go to an art school or an animation school, it can get really, really, really grueling. Oh yeah. And you aspects. immediately just sacrifice your physical and mental health. Don't do just, that. Like, do uh... not do that. I, I actually had, um, during <clears throat> school, um, this kind of like burned away during the pandemic for, for various reasons. But for the first two years of Sheridan, I had this policy for myself where once 10 PM at night hit, I would stop working on everything, like oh, wow. stop working, stop doing anything. And the moment I felt strain in my arm, that's when work would take yeah, a backseat yeah, yeah, yeah. and sure. I like again I cannot emphasize how important that is because again we mentioned that some people kind of like fell out of the industry dropped out there were a lot of people who dropped out because of physical injuries and because of mental injuries as well and you it, it's it, it really sucks to have to do that when the passion is there yeah because it's just really sad and I would say like again standing out is one thing but 
if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be around to stand out. So you really want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. And it's not like it just happens overnight. It really creeps up on you because like, like you said, I think it's great that you cut off 10 PM every day. I think that's super important because, you know, one bad night leads to a whole week of bad nights leads to a whole month of bad nights. And before you know it, like it hurts to move your hand. Yeah. But you still have to do the assignments and you don't want to stop because like, you know, due dates are coming up and all that stuff. And it's, it's really tough. I know exactly what you're talking about. There are people that had to take breaks because it, you know, your physical health and mental health really takes a toll. Exactly. Yeah. So like in in times like that, it's okay to not go 150% with that assignment. It's okay to go 60% with an assignment even. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like even when you're working, if you say to your supervisor or your prof or whatever, like, Hey, listen, like. I need a break (laughs) or like my hand, I'm going to the doctor. Like, what are they going to say? If they pressure you to do more, I'd be like, well, this, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think think everybody in this industry understands those. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, luckily it seems like both of us have had really good experiences so far. Um, I'm sure that there's some unfortunate uh, places that don't understand that fully, but Again, I think like people kind of get lost in like the whole like, oh, if I don't push myself 150%, then I'm going to lose out on this, this and this. And it's like, sure, you might lose out on it like for now, but if you keep pushing yourself and you keep burning out and injuring yourself, then it's going to be like an end. And then when there's an end, there's nowhere to go after that. Right. right? It's like, what's the goal? It's like, you know, if you're hating the process the process never changes like (laughs) for your whole life you could then maybe it's not for you or you're pushing yourself too far and you have to find a space where you can do this and be happy and healthy at the same time which you know i think is totally possible and Mm -hmm. it's okay to take a break as well if you need it i think that's totally totally fine yeah yeah it's important to draw boundaries yeah draw boundaries (laughs) Uh, well, Dorsa, is there anything else you wanted to share as we're kind of wrapping up? I think this has been a fantastic chat so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. I think. I think that's everything about me. I don't know. <laughs> have I missed anything? <laughs> did I? Did you miss anything about you? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, no. no but, I think it's. I think it's great. I think. I think. Uh, you know, I've. I've loved watching your work over the years, and I think oh. you're an amazing artist. And I'm super happy that you're doing something that you're passionate about, and also that you found the thing that you like to do. I think that's great because, you know, it's, it's a journey for everybody and everybody's journey is different. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my journey, I'm, <laughs> I don't know, what am I, 10 oh, years yeah. older than you? And it took me that long to figure out this for myself. So that's great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I hope that one day you can really tell that story that, uh, you know, is on your heart. And I think that would be amazing. I'll be your biggest fan when that happens. That's a lovely thought. Thank you so much, Terry. And it's, it's been great chatting with you as well. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on the chat. And if you're listening and you want to reach out to Adorsa or follow her work, you can do so by checking out her Instagram uh, or her website. And I'll include both those links in the description of this chat. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work. 